Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome, everybody, back to a special midweek edition of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I got my co-host, Matt, here with me as per usual. And we just couldn't wait to go through the rest of the week after such an incredible win by the New York Jets, 40-17 to over the Miami Dolphins, snapping a 12-game AFC East losing streak. Robert Sala's first division win, first win streak after back-to-back wins following the Pittsburgh game the week before. Matt, I am over the moon. I was not remotely expecting them to come out and play nearly as well as they did. It was a close game through most of the contest, but that fourth quarter happened and oh my God, these jets came alive. I don't know how fans just can't be over the moon right now. Like I said, yeah, really? I mean, everybody in the media is, uh, that's outside of the New York media rather is trying to bring everybody down. Like, Oh, they, they only won because, you know, Bridgewater got hurt and they're on their third quarterback. Uh, well, all right, where's all this pity when the Jets have injuries? It's, it's non-existent. Right. Uh, it, but, uh, yeah, now all of a sudden we have to be concerned about other teams having injuries. Meanwhile, we're on our, like, fifth tackle, who's our starting guard. Uh, it, it's it's ridiculous. So, yeah, Brown, who has a rotator cuff injury that's just starting his first game. Uh, it, it's There's so many things that go that don't bounce our way all the time and nobody ever bats an eyelash at us so whatever uh but yeah this is an amazing win uh an important win uh we've been saying all right we can handle adversity decently well how well can we handle success and we finally strung together two wins uh it might not seem like a lot uh, especially uh, if you're looking at other teams in New York, like the Giants, uh, or other teams in the league who constantly get more than one win in a row, uh, but this is big for us. This is this is a little stepping stone win. Uh, not only that, it was also our first division win in I don't know twelve years. I, it, it's been a while. Might as well, but um, might as well a bit. So it, it's important, uh, but there's still so much to prove uh, because. This is just the start of what we want. We want to be a team that wins multiple games in a row 
so, and this is an important step against a team that I didn't think we were going to beat. Uh, I didn't think we were going to be able to handle their pass rush. Uh, I didn't think that uh, our uh, offense was was going to be as uh, effective as they were, especially in the fourth quarter. But at that point, it, it seemed like we had them right where we want them. We've talked before about how this defense wants to be playing with a lead where they're forced, forcing quarterbacks to drop back all the time uh, and pass the ball where our pass rushers can really get on their heels and or on their toes and really come after the quarterback. Uh, and it really, I, 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 we haven't seen it yet. And the fact that they finally got that chance and they did not let up and they did exactly what we said that they would probably do in these situations. Uh, it's good to see. Yeah, there was a lot of, of things that were good to see that we were hoping to see that we really started to see glimpse of, if not outright, you know, fully come into fruition. Uh, and I think no more so uh, in any one particular area than the performance of this rookie class uh, throughout this season overall. But in this game in particular, Sauce Gardner gets his first career interception, get a, a batted ball with JFM, getting some pressure off the line, makes a great break for, for how big he is and, and how long he is to be as explosive and twitchy. is just unfair. Breaks on the ball, comes back to it on the comeback, picks it off, gives the Jets field position. And they'd eventually score a touchdown on that drive. Zach Wilson in the red zone scrambles and makes his way to the uh, goal line, is able to get in for a score. That's a huge play. Brees Hall, 197 total yards from scrimmage. He should have had 200. It came really close on, on a couple of opportunities. Uh, two touchdowns that were taken away, getting tackled at the one-yard line at a 79-yard wheel route reception, another 20-yard catch later in the game, and he gets right on the goal line. And both times, Michael Carter comes in as the touchdown vulture and takes it from him. We saw Jermaine Johnson do some good things in the run game. He had uh, left the game with an ankle injury, which is unfortunate, but he seems to be okay. Doesn't seem like it was anything too serious. He's currently day-to-day -day as of the update of Monday morning. It didn't seem like there was any major concerns going on from the Jets. And Jermaine himself tweeted that, quote, I'm good, happy for a team win last night after the game. Uh, so seems to be on good fronts there. Moving down the line, Max Mitchell played well before he was injured. We're waiting to see some more from Ruckert. Michael Clemens is still doing some good things. Garrett Wilson had a great play uh, on, I believe it was a second and 10 where he's catching a crosser from Zach Wilson. Zach gives him a good ball out in front and he looks like he's going to get tackled for like a four yard game. And he's able to shake out of his coverage, break a tackle, get up field, spin out of another guy and picks up a first down on, I think it was second and long. And that's, that's excellent. These rookies, we had talked a lot, Matt, after the draft where I believe the episode of our show, uh, the morning after, their draft was final was that this could be a franchise changing draft class. And after five weeks, I'd I'm I'll go out on the limb. I think we're right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the fun thing is, is that they don't all have to be hitting at the same time. Uh, I, it wasn't really an incredible day as far as stats go uh, for our wide receivers with more, uh, Wilson and Davis. Uh, it was really the hall show uh, the entire day. Uh, and that's just how it's going to be sometimes. Uh, we have so much talent on this offense that one day it's going to be hall. Another day it could be Wilson. Another day it could be more. Uh, who knows? It, 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 that's, that's the joy of this kind of offense. You don't know who's going to really step up and be that guy. Uh, Zach, 
I think he had a very good game, even though it was kind of as a as a game manager. That didn't matter that much because he did what he was asked to do, and he didn't do make any mistakes. Uh, he had that running touchdown. Uh, he put himself on the line. He still looks as bad as mobile as he did before his injury, so that's good to see. Um, and, yeah, that we were talking about some of those uh, short routes that he had trouble with in his first start and also last year where sometimes he's just rushing things and he throws a little bit of a, of a inaccurate pass uh, either behind or in front of or high. Uh, he did throw a, a couple that I thought were a little too far in front of, uh, of Hall, but Hall was able to track it down and bring it in for big gains. Uh, so it all worked out. It, everything just clicked at the same time. Uh, I was kind of hoping that the final score would kind of be the score throughout the game and not just in the, the, the last quarter, but you know, what? It, it's, it is what it is. And it was a good win. Yeah, it was an absolutely a good win. And when you have all of these young players and all of this young talent where the Jets rookie class of 2022, we think can be pretty freaking special overall. But when you just take in the amount of youth on this team factoring in the 2021 drafts, you know, free agents that they had had some of their core pieces from drafts prior are still pretty young. Quinn Williams is only 24 and, you know, he's probably one of their best players right now. Elijah Vera Tucker, second year player who we're going to get to in a minute, specifically talking about him and the job he's doing. He's their MVP. He's been their best player uh, by far with what he's been asked to do and how he's performed. There is so much reason to be excited and Robert Sala himself talks about it as a head coach all the time where he says, you get these young guys in and you might be pulling your hair out at times early, but you're going to give them the experience. And when it clicks in the flashes show, it's amazing. And you feel like you can take on the world and you can take down anybody. And I think it gets summed up. There was a story uh, from interviews yesterday where Brees Hall was apparently talking to some of his other rookies in the middle of the game. And he goes, Hey, bro, we're so good. We're, we're all so good. We can be so good. And that's that confidence that they've built and the ability to turn the corner and adjust to the league and handle the speed of the game. And it's, it's not too big for them. And I know that's cliche, but it's really not. If anything, you know, they're making the NFL small. They're, they're too big for the league. It's looking like with how they're performing so quickly. And I just, I can't get over the type of day Brees Hall had. And I really think it's important to contextualize just how incredible this was. Brees Hall had this has now the rookie uh, single game record holder for scrimmage yards with 197. If he would have gotten three more rushing yards on the day, which I think he actually got and then lost, um, had a negative run that took him back a few yards. But if he had gotten over that hundred yard mark, he becomes only the second jets player ever to catch a hundred yards in a game and run for a hundred yards in the same game. That's incredible stuff. Uh, his cousin, Brees Hall's cousin is former NFL pro bowler and legend, Roger Craig with the 49ers in the eighties and Joe Montana and being the, the passing part of that offense and really the first natural receiving back. Well, it seems like th those genes passed on perfectly fine because Brees is a weapon in the pass game. He's figuring things out in the run game. He's running through tackles. His vision is starting to show up and, and come alive. And the things that we said earlier in the year with him, where give it a little bit, it's going to happen. 
it's coming. The talent is there. The explosion is there. Just give him a little bit to get used to the calls, get adjusted to the speed of the game, get used to his blocking and look out. This was the game where that all happened. And I just think his trajectory is sky high in the future. I He's on an offensive rookie of the year pace right now. He is. Uh, but I also caution that, like I said before, where one day it could be Hall, another day it could be Wilson. Uh, it really just depends on the game. We had a healthy lead for a good amount of this game. It kind of allowed us to really rely on the run game a little bit more. Uh, other days we'll be playing from behind and we have to pass a lot more like we did in most of the, the games before this. Uh, so it's really a, a grab bag of what we're going to be facing uh, the rest of the way. Uh, and also you have Carter there who's going to be leeching some some uh, carries away from Hall. Uh, and he already he leached two, uh, two touchdowns after getting it down to the one-yard line twice. So he's, he's got a lot of internal competition uh and that might uh kind of drag him back as far as offensive rookie of the year uh i think maybe pierce just because he doesn't have that internal pressure uh and he's pretty much just going to be relied on to be the star of that offense uh probably has the leg up Uh, and then you have guys like london and olave who also don't have as much internal pressure uh but yeah if if hall can can do this on a game by game basis uh, yeah, absolutely. He is definitely on track to to be the offensive rookie of the year. Now I'm wondering, did this game that he had, uh, the success that he had, is that because the the Jets offense was able to change things up? Because we were saying how Lafleur, uh, uh, how the the Miami, they know what we want to do on offense and defense. Did they change things up enough to? to really make an impact and was Hall part of that change? I think it's a, a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. I do think that we saw them go away from trying to just run up the middle inside so much. And we saw them go to the edges a little more, which is what you expect out of this team. Uh, the base of a, a wide zone run game, you really needed to be trying to get the ball to the edge as best you can. And we saw that a handful of times. I believe it was the second quarter. Jets are getting down uh, towards the end of the half. It was their last drive on offense, the half, I believe. And they had like five or six straight runs to Brees Hall. And it was feed Brees, give him the ball. And they did a lot of uh, outside zone to the left. Dwayne Brown had some good blocks. Lakin Tomlinson had some good blocks. Credit where it's due. Finally, for how much he's getting paid, it's nice to see him block correctly. I think that had its hand in it. I also think you saw the Jets do a little more first down passing. And when they did pass on first down, it was wildly success- uh, successful. I think that gave an opportunity to back the Dolphins defense up a little bit too. But I'll tell you, I think there's nothing more about this game. I don't think it was so much a coaching change or catching the Dolphins off tendencies. I think it was Brees Hall figuring it out. And what really says that to me is there was a run he had, I believe it was in the third quarter, and it's a split zone from the Jets. For people who don't know what a split zone is, a split zone is a zone run play where in this case you have the offensive line, zone blocking and getting out wide and they're going to their left and all the way on the left on the outside you had cj uzama as the tight end who starts on the left and then is going to come behind and sift black uh, sift back across the formation to his right he's going to pick up the defensive end that gets left unblocked by the zone block up front and it's going to create a little gap between where the line pushed out left and uzama comes in right hence the split and split zone Brees hall's getting the carry and as he gets the ball 
Uzama's going to make the block, but he doesn't quite seal it just yet. And you see that little bit of a hesitation to wait. Block is sealed. Okay. Then he explodes through it. He gets through to the second level. He's got other blockers leading ahead of him. He positions himself correctly. Is another little hes- hesitation. Cuts up field again. It was like an 11 or 12 yard run. Those runs for Brees Hall early in the year, he would have hit it too hard, rushed inside to a close hole, and it would have been a gain of one maybe. Now we're seeing the difference of him in week five versus weeks one or two, and it's really paying off. The The game is slowing down for him. It's cliche again, but that's what's happening is he's able to get more comfortability in his play calls, get more comfortability with his blocking in front of him and be able to read what's happening rather than just worry about his role. I, I'm, I think this was Brees Hall taking over more so than anything else. Yeah, it helps if you're not getting tackled right as you get the handoff every single time. And that is a big help. That helps a lot. Uh, Yeah, Uh, really the sky's the limit for him. If uh, the offensive line can figure their stuff out uh, and be consistent, uh, and Hall continues uh, what he did yesterday. Uh, Yeah, I I really can't wait to see what happens against Green Bay. Uh, That leads me to think about the offensive line since that is such a big part of really the entire offense. Uh, and they did seem to figure things out with Brown coming back and Vera Tucker playing right tackle. And that leads me to think, do you think that Vera Tucker should stay at right tackle even when Fant comes back? Yeah, let's let's get to ABT uh, as a whole uh, and just go over the incredible, incredible things that we've seen from him this year. First things first, do I think ABT should stay at right tackle when Fant comes back? Yes. Yes, I think he is a better tackle right now than what we've seen out of George Fant this so far this season. I don't think Fant's been healthy since January. And I think it's a a really not talked about situation where everyone knows, you know, their tackles have been hurt, of course. But George Fant in particular just had a knee scope at the end of the season last year. That's the knee injury he's still dealing with. That was supposed to be a simple knee scope procedure, clean things out, and it wasn't anything major. At the end of the year last year in January, here we are in the middle of October now, and fans on IR because of this same knee problem. Was able to get through training camp, was cleared for training camp. I remember Matt in the summer, we were speculating if he was going to be ready for training camp because he wasn't at OTAs at all. He's able to go through training camp okay, plays through the preseason, and he didn't look like himself. It really looked like he was struggling, even being back on the left side where he was supposedly the most comfortable. It didn't seem to make any bit of a difference. Dwayne Brown comes in for the one preseason game against the New York Giants. Fant goes to the right side. Didn't look like he played very well there either. So I think, quite honestly, I think AVT is the better player right now. And I think there's no reason to to play a worse player when you're trying to be a successful offense and have a, a cohesive unit on the offensive line. And that really, really says something about Elijah Vera Tucker that I think Elijah Vera Tucker is better at right tackle having never played it before, <laughs> before the Miami Dolphins game than George Fant, who's been training at the position and spent a handful of years there before. This is unprecedented stuff we're seeing from AVT to play a completely new position, let alone in the NFL, but in his entire football career for the first time, whether college, high school, pro, regardless, lines up at right tackle against a tough Dolphins defense and a tough Dolphins pass rush and gives up no pressures, no sacks. And I think like one hit as an offensive tackle is the main reason in your run game 
while you're scoring touchdowns in the red zone where they're just running behind you. That's incredible. That is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Elijah Vera Tucker, and for as much as he's getting praised already, I still don't think it's enough because I don't know how many other NFL, any other linemen in the NFL could play three different positions in three weeks, one of which they had never played before that game and be at the top or near the top of their position group for that week, bar none. It's, it's astounding. It really is. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough how important it is to really have him there and on this line be that stalwart because really who else is there? Nobody else has really stepped up to the plate, uh, even our expensive free agent, Lakin. Uh, so it, it's good to have at least one guy really show up and kind of set the the tone for that offensive line. And I, hopefully it reverberates throughout the entire line. Uh, and going forward, they uh, just grow accustomed to playing with each other uh, with Brown at left tackle, Herbig at right guard, uh, and AVT at right tackle. Um, we can go into a little bit more speculation after the season uh, about what they do along that line. Uh, but yeah, for the foreseeable future, I would love to keep ABT there at right tackle. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and like you said, not to get too far ahead of ourselves and, and speculate for next season, but the fact that you have Elijah Vera Tucker, who you know can play either guard spot or possibly either tackle spot too, means that you can kind of pick and choose where to fill in the holes on your offensive line, regardless of worrying about, is this player going to fit the position that we need? Where if you're saying, okay, we're, we're looking to add another tackle and we think AVT is going to be one of them, then you can go find the best right or left tackle that fits your needs because you're pretty confident AVT is going to be able to play the other spot, no problem. That is a huge, huge asset. An absolutely massive asset for the Jets when they're looking for offensive linemen. They're very likely going to be doing so next year. Uh, that is that is huge. It's huge for AVT to get the experience playing in these spots. And most importantly for him, by all means, am I going to be right behind him on this train? Back the Brinks truck up for him because that's huge for contract time too. If AVT can sit there and make the argument that I'm a guard, but you can start me at tackle, he's going to have an argument to get paid more than just a normal guard. He's going to have an argument to get paid like one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. And I think eventually that's what we're going to see. The Jets would be absolutely ludicrous to not give him everything he could have possibly asked for. I don't know as a player what more you can do in terms of doing things the right way. And Joe Douglas likes to talk about rewarding the internal guys who do things the right way. Barrios gets an extension. JFM gets an extension. AVT is going to need an extension soon. I know it's only his second year. We're not even halfway through his second year yet, but that's already on my mind for the future is going to be making him one of the highest paid linemen in the league. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure to finally have the problem of having too much talent and not enough money to pay him. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a good problem to have. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out in the future. Uh, I mentioned before about how, this team may have changed things up against the Dolphins. Uh, I mentioned Hall on the offense, but how about on the defensive side? Yeah, the defense is where I think, quite honestly, this game was won. And if you look at it overall, it was a pretty close game throughout most of it. Hung about two scores, 10 points, give or take, for a lead by the Jets. Dolphins got were able to get that lead down to two, getting into the fourth quarter. And then obviously we saw the fourth quarter explosion. I don't think that fourth quarter explosion happens 
without the defense. And I'll get to that in a second. But first things first, you're saying different tendencies. Very first defensive snap of the game, they send Sauce Gardner on a blitz, which they've never done all year. And catches the Dolphins off guard. Teddy Bridgewater is running the naked bootleg, and he turns around standing in his own end zone, and he's got Sauce in his face. He's able to get the ball out. gets called intentional grounding in the end zone. That's a safety. Jets get the ball back. Incredible tendency switch to do something unexpected on first down that led to a big play. You can argue whether it should have been a penalty or or should have been a safety or grounding or whatever. That's a different argument. We can have a a whole separate episode talking about the rest from this game because there was a (laughs) lot of plays for both sides uh, on both sides for both teams that were not properly called by the referees. Regardless of that, you move on later in the game. The Jets really didn't blitz much. They trusted their their four-man rush to get home, and the, the four-man rush did a great job of doing just that. They had, I think it was 16 total pressures uh, between everybody on the line. Carl Lawson himself led with seven, which I was seeing statistics that was the most pressures in one game by a single player um, this season, I believe, uh, across the entire NFL. So you get a good help by not sending a lot of blitzes. I thought the other thing that they did that was an absolute, absolute huge, huge, huge factor is that they were expecting the pass game. They would keep their safeties back. Even if they would show a single high, you would see the safeties try to starting to creep and dare the Dolphins to run the ball. And like you said at the very start, Matt, we saw what this team is like when they have a lead. That's what allowed them to really do that is the Dolphins run game got going. The Dolphins run game was, was working very well. Raheem Mostert had an excellent game rushing the ball. And there was a period in that third quarter where the Dolphins were driving and it was right before they missed that field goal that would have given them the lead where they are blowing this defensive line off the ball. It, it was alarming how bad the Jets defensive front was getting pushed off the line. Worse than we've seen at any point this season so far, even going back to the Cleveland game, as well as the Browns were able to run. I didn't think the Jets were losing the line of scrimmage as violently as they were on that drive. And you get to the fourth quarter. Dolphins miss a field goal, just get the ball back. They're able to go down and get another touchdown on offense. That gives a nine-point lead for the defense to work with, and the defense came alive. Dolphins never scored another point. They had two straight three and outs and a fourth down conversion uh, that was shut down for a huge loss by Quan Alexander. That's stepping up. And I think it was getting into the right situation, having the lead, trusting your calls, not trying to be too over-aggressive in blitz, trying some different things like sending Sauce Gardner um, on a blitz to start, daring the Dolphins to run the ball on you. And then once you had that lead long enough, you were able to sit back and really guard your receivers as best you can because if the Dolphins get a chunk run, who cares? That's going to keep the clock running and they need two scores. Didn't matter. The defense was able to clamp down entirely like we were talking about earlier, Matt, with the rookies. Sauce had an incredible game. He had an absolutely incredible game. Uh, if I'm going off my memory correctly, I don't think he gave up a single catch. And going against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, that's pretty dang impressive. Jalen Waddell had his second lowest receiving or had his lowest receiving total of the season, three catches for 23 yards. Tyreek Hill had his second lowest receiving total of the season with 44, I believe, 44, 46, somewhere in the mid 40s. This was an excellent game from the defense. Mike McDaniel knew what they were going to try and do, and the Jets were able to outplay them. As much as I think 
the coaching did a good job of staying out of their tendencies. I think it also needs to be credit to the players for executing when the calls were called upon. We didn't really see any busted assignments. We didn't really see any trick plays work. They had the the double reverse to Tyreek that was supposed to be a double pass. And then Tyreek Hill keeps it and reverses field and is somehow able to uh, avoid a huge loss on the play. But that could have been a trick play that would have been a huge gain for uh, the Dolphins offense. The Jets were right there for it. This was a, a great performance from the defense. And I'm really, really hopeful going forward that if the jets can get out to another early lead, like we saw that this is going to be another repeat performance. Yeah. Uh, that's the hope. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the stats now. It looks like both Garner and Reed were targeted five times and gave up three receptions each, according to PFF, at least. Um, yeah, it was a great game. Uh, an- another uh, less seen guy that really made an impact. Uh, was Huff, uh, a, a guy that we keep saying needs to see the field more uh, after being uh, not uh, didn't dress the, the first couple weeks, uh, is is come alive in the last two games. Uh, he hasn't had that many snaps. I think nine snaps last game, uh, in the game before, and then 15 snaps uh, this game. Uh, but he makes good on the time that he's out there he is borderline unblockable when he's on the field um and that's kind of how this defense wants to to, the role they want to keep these guys rotating in and fresh and be an impact every single time they're on the field that's kind of the point of this rotation although some will also say that oh well look at q and lawson they were in the game about 70 percent of the time instead of 60 percent uh the last couple weeks which i think is only a couple snaps more uh in the grand scheme of things but at the same time they still want to do the rotating that they do uh and i want to see huff's snaps go up even more next week, especially if JJ's uh, still nursing his ankle injury uh, more huff. Absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm hoping and praying that Jermaine is okay and that he is able to be full strength, get back to health, you know, classic Jermaine that we know and love, whether it's this week, next week, et cetera, I just want him to be healthy. If Jermaine can't go this week, I think Bryce Huff's going to get like two sacks. I'm, He's winning at a disgustingly high rate and fast the, too. Right. And immediately it's, it's quick wins. It's immediate off the snap. And then the second he gets even with the tackle, he's able to dip so low and he's able to bend so well that and flatten and turn corners so fast that you don't, there's no, there's nothing you can do as a tackle. If you don't match his speed stride for stride and you don't get a good grip on his chest plate, you're done statistically, and it's a small sample size because he's only had these two games that he's played in and he's only come in for like nine or 10 snaps each in each of these games. But if you total out his pressure rate over these two games and you believe it's over 30%, if I'm remembering correctly, he's like the first or second most productive edge rusher in the NFL, period, with how often he is winning. And you've heard, Matt, you know, just as well as I do, and everyone that listens, that I'll be the first to say pressure stats are BS and that you got to watch the tape and not all pressures are created equally. And and don't just look at a number because who knows what a win is in a pass rush win rate. You don't need to be a football expert and watch Bryce Huff's tape to see that he's beating the crap out of people. You don't got to you don't got to be, you know, an NFL coach to look at that guy and see that he's pretty dang good at his job of rushing the passer. 
And the one thing that I saw from him in this game that gave me a lot of hope, it came on the last defensive snap of the game. Actually, the Dolphins were driving down. They went for it on our or was fourth down conversion. And Bryce Huff's coming off the offense's right side. And we saw, like you said, Matt, quick wins with him. Speed, 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 speed. And he gets into an opportunity where the right tackle matches him by his third step. And he goes, oh, OK, you finally caught my speed. Now I'm going through you. I didn't know Bryce Huff had a bull rush, but dang, was it effective. I didn't know that was part of his bag, but he throws this tackle out of the way. And if it wasn't for Jacob Martin on the other side, getting an immediate quick win and forcing Skylar Thompson out of the pocket away from where Bryce Huff's momentum was taking him, Bryce probably gets a sack on that play to end the game. So I'm, I'm over the moon with him. I cannot wait to see what he does. If, if he gets the opportunity to get more playing time with JJ out again, I hope JJ can play. I hope he's healthy. I hope nothing but the best for him always, but if he can't go, I'm pretty confident we're going to be okay with Bryce Huff on the field. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading something now that uh, the average get off amongst uh, edge rushers this season, uh, you have Bryce Huff that with 0.56 seconds, which leads the, the league. Uh, that's insane, but uh, that's in front of uh, Miles Garrett and Carl Lawson, uh, respectively. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm seeing uh, hints of last year. Last year, uh, when it was just him and Franklin Myers, uh, he was tearing it up. Then also, he was winning at an alarming rate. Uh, and I, I can't stress this enough how much I want him on the field more. Uh, the, the fact that he wasn't that he didn't dress the first couple of games is almost criminal. After seeing what he's done uh, with the limited opportunities that he's had, it really is, uh, you know, run games being, you know, the, the point of those offenses or not. When you have a guy that can affect the passing game to this magnitude, where we've seen years now, multiple teams, multiple games before he got hurt last year. And now this year, again, coming back full strength, it doesn't matter who he's going up against. He's beating them. It doesn't matter what team he's going up against. He's beating them and he's beating them with his same, you know, textbook ways of beating them, which is speed, bend and explosion. That translates regardless of who you're playing. That is the rare, you know, untapped skill that the best of the best of the best pass rushers have. That sort of talent, when you have a guy that is that explosive and lightning off the edge, not having him in the game on every passing situation is doing yourself a disservice. And I don't care how they got to figure out the the alignment, but I would love to see a four-man front of Carl Lawson, Quinnen Williams, JFM inside, and Bryce Huff on the other edge on a third down. And let's get the three of those other guys stacked to one side. Like we remember, Matt, we were talking about Cincinnati, um, that overload front that the Jets do. Yeah. That very same play I was just talking about with Jacob Martin off the one edge and Bryce Huff running a bull rush, same front. Just they had Huff uh, on the overload side and they had Martin isolated as the wide nine on the other edge. Let's get our starters in there. Let's put JFM inside. Let's add Bryce Huff on the edge and let's let him be the wide nine guy and I think you're going to get, I think sacks are going to start racking up in bunches. I could very, very, very easily see Bryce Huff sniff 10 sacks as a rotational rusher. He's winning that effectively. Yeah. And not just him. I feel like the defensive line in general have really come alive in the last two games Uh, from Quinn and Williams to Lawson. It seems like Lawson's a lot more comfortable uh, coming back from his Achilles injury. Uh, He seems a lot more explosive than he was uh, in the beginning of the year. 
so all these guys really coming into their own at the same time uh, can only mean good things for this defense and our whole team as a, as a whole. It's only going to get better and better as, as the defensive line goes, the rest of this defense will go. And if the offense can do their part and keep scoring, keep generating points and get the jets out to a lead, you're going to see more games like this where the defensive line just, just takes over. And I think this is a, a good transition, Matt, to where I want to end here. Five weeks into the year, the Jets are three and two. They have more momentum than anyone could have imagined. They just are coming off an absolute destruction of the Miami Dolphins, whether part of the Dolphins were playing or if other guys would have played, it would have been different. Make that argument till you're blue in the face. 23-point victories do not happen by accident. And I promise that no amount of healthy Dolphins would have made that 23 points into a complete and total nothing burger like the Jets shouldn't have even shown up. This was a statement win. This was a statement to the rest of the NFL. We're not kidding around. We didn't just have a few lucky fourth quarter comebacks. We're dominating every team we play in the fourth quarter, and they're going to pay if they keep the game close before that. If I'm Robert Sala, I have to be absolutely pleased with my team. I have to be absolutely pleased with my young players and the direction that everyone is going. And I have to feel like things are on pace and things are on track and we're, we're cruising where we're hoping to go as an organization. There is so much optimism, so much hope. I haven't felt this from this team and ever, ever. I don't, I can't, I legitimately can't sit here and think the last time that the jets were good and also young and ascending to where they could be good or even better in the future and good for a long time. This is a really, really exciting time to be a fan. There's a couple of big games coming up these next few weeks before the buy. There's a very, very, very good chance with how the team looks right now. The jets could be ending October and we could be talking about wild card spots. That would be wild. If we're, talking about playoffs i mean if the season ended right now i think we're in uh we are we are we're the, we're the top wild card seed we're the top wild card seed so that that's that would be wild if we're talking about i'm still not expecting it at all uh but you know what I, who, who knows at this point the, the, this team is so talented uh it brings me back to something flacco said in uh one jets drive uh where he's uh, doing a media day where he talks about how confident this team is and how good this team is uh but how they really needed to prove it on the field first and they're finally starting to put it all together uh and throwing two consistent weeks in a row of good football uh gang green nation uh Joe, john buchko he has a, a a little survey about uh confidence in in the coaching and and the team as a whole uh and it's been a seesaw this entire year it's a giant w uh, if you look at the chart. So it, I'm hoping that after these two wins in a row, that there's a little bit more of a calm amongst the fan base and amongst the team too. the team and the fans can finally settle down and say, Hey, we belong in this league. This team is a real team that team other teams have to actually look at uh, and actually worry about. So it, it, it's all looking up right now. Uh, if we lose next week to the Packers, uh, I'm sure it, it'll be there'll definitely be a bunch of bummed uh, people out there. But at the same time, I'm I'm hoping that the fact that we're at where we are now can kind of 
level the the uh, cooler heads will prevail is what i want to say no you're 100 percent right uh, and we'll save our our official breakdown and and predictions uh, of green bay next or later in the week when we preview green bay but just looking at that team as a whole this is not a game now where two weeks ago you would ask me, how are the Jets going to do against the Packers? And I'd be really, really worried that they were going to have a bad game. I'd be really worried that the Packers match up well. And with uh, Matt LaFleur and Green Bay being Michael Ford's brother, obviously, Robert Sala's best friend, you know, coached against their scheme, know their schemes, know their offense themselves because they run it too. Similar to Mike McDaniel, I thought it was going to be a rough outing. I'm a lot more optimistic now than I was then. And, and there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. What you had mentioned, Matt, and this is where I think we'll, we'll end before we get out of here, talking about the mindset and talking about the players having to prove it to themselves of, you know, we are good and we are talented and we can do this and we can string together wins. Nothing has given me more hope and optimism than the vibe in this locker room after that win, where Salah's victory speech is – Great game. You guys played great. Fourth quarter was awesome. That's an NFL win. We had the lead. Things got a little closer. You then came out in the fourth and really put the nail in the coffin and you put a team away by 23 points. Again, it's the NFL. I don't care who's not playing. That stands for something. If the Dolphins were this injured, the Jets should have beaten them by 23 points and they did. And Salah's attitude is, you know, we can go and party and celebrate and all of that, but that's not what we do here anymore. This is supposed to be the standard. We expect to win. I'm going to see you guys all in here tomorrow morning. Sala talking about, you know, coming into the next Monday. We're going to regroup. We're going to be happy. We're going to get right going back to next week. This is the standard now. And you hear Zach Wilson talk about it later in his press conference. They're at the point where they know they're good. They expect to win. They're not hoping to win. They're not, we think we're good enough and, and we have to go see if it's actually for real. This their confidence level is sky high, and it's more so than than cockiness in terms of oh we're so great we can do this. It's being sure of themselves and being sure of their teammates that they're capable of whatever is expected of them, and they're expected to go out and win. That is huge for the organization as a whole. I can't remember the last time that Jets players were confident and expecting to win every time they get on the field and were able to back it up. And to top it off, looking ahead to Green Bay. Jair Alexander has uh, caught some flack and has been in the news because the Packers had a trip to London that didn't go so well for them against the New York Giants, where the Giants were able to come from behind and win. And Packers are kind of reeling right now, uh, losing to a Giants team that is improved, but no one thought good enough to take down the Green Bay Packers. Jair Alexander goes in the locker room and says, you know, we got to be on our stuff. And, and we can't really be thinking that we're so hot right now. We could very easily lose to the Jets. Look at what they just did against the Dolphins. You know, we got to be on our P's and Q's so that that doesn't happen. The Packers are scared of the Jets. Let me repeat that for everybody listening before we get out of here. The Green Bay Packers are scared of the New York Jets. I don't know what else can be said to say that these aren't your same old Jets anymore, but if that doesn't do it, I don't know what will. Robert Sala has this team flying high, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Rodgers did not like that uh, that very much uh, in his press conference, uh, that energy that, that comes with that. Uh, but I welcome it with all with open arms. Uh, I, I want all every team in the league to be worried about us. 
from the Packers to the Bills. Uh, I want them to look at us as a team that is a serious team. Uh, and it sounds like it's finally turning around. Yeah, the 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 team itself and the players in the building aren't the only ones believing it anymore. The rest of the league is catching on. And that's what a statement win like this will do for an organization. Put everybody on notice. Robert Sala, go ahead and get your receipts out because you can, you're going to have the list long mile wide of how many times you got to go through and say that you were right, but it's paying off. I'm, I'm so excited for this team. I'm so happy for this team. I'm so excited for the future. I, I can't say it enough. Amen. All right, Matt. Well, I think that does it for this special little victory edition. Not many often do the Jets get 23-point victories over division rivals. And when they do, it's always fun to make sure that we can talk about it. Any other parting shots before we go on and get out of here? I just want to say happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, Jets were able to, uh, a day before my official birthday, have that incredible win. They lost in London on my birthday last year. I got up at 9 a.m. to watch the Jets lose on my birthday. That wasn't fun. But after this uh, after this week, I think they've made up for it. <laughs> they, they for sure did. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back real soon to preview the Green Bay Packers game in Green Bay. Definitely going to be a tough, uh, tough game, tough opponent. Coaching staffs know each other very well. Hall of Fame quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. But the Jets got all the momentum. And it sounds like the Packers locker room is a little bit scared of who's going to be coming to town. So once again, thank you for listening. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 on Twitter. You can also follow the show at OKD Podcast. Matt, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. Make sure you guys are staying tuned for the end of the week. We'll get that Packers uh, preview out for you. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll be back real soon. Bye-bye.